Well, good morning. Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the hope of the season and the anticipation that we have to celebrate the birth of Jesus again. Father, help us to hear whatever you want us to hear today. Some of us maybe are tired, worn out. Some of us are confused or angry or frustrated with life. Some of us are feeling the weight of expectations for this season or the pain of suffering. Some of us aren't really sure what we feel. Father, wherever we are and whoever we are, thank you that you know us, that you love us, and that you speak to us now. In your name, amen. Well, as already been said, we are in the last Sunday of Advent this morning. Uh, the Advent is the season in the church year where we remember and we celebrate that Christ has come to us. And this year, we as a church have been taking some time to talk about a wonderful truth and a gift we have been given because of the advent of Jesus. For the last few weeks, we have looked at various passages and stories in Scripture to see the truth that we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to fear because of the promise, hope of Advent, and the coming of Jesus. And so with this idea of not being afraid, it made me think about a recent video that I'm sure many of you have seen already. I'm confident that many of you are some of the nine million that have watched footage on YouTube of a man's recent hang gliding experience in the Swiss mountains. Now, if you haven't seen this footage yet, please wait until I'm done with the sermon but Google the words Swiss mishap. The video shows this man, it's his first time ever hang gliding, and as he and the pilot take off some 4,000 feet in the air, they very quickly realize that while the pilot had strapped himself to the hang glide, he had not strapped the other person's harness at all. The two minutes and 14 seconds of him hanging on for dear life is terrifying. You watch him realize very quickly that he is not strapped in, and so he begins to grab at anything he can. He grabs at the pilot's arm, the pilot's leg, the pilot's harness. You see his other arm just straining as he holds on to the hang glide. Now the man does survive, but he actually tore his bicep because he was holding so tightly, and he broke his wrist in his difficult crash. Talk about being afraid. <laughs> I was afraid as I watched the video, and I cannot imagine what it was like for that guy when he realized very quickly he was not strapped in. Now imagine trying to tell this guy as he just goes off the cliff, hey, don't be afraid. I was thinking about this as an illustration that maybe some of you experience in your lives right now. Maybe some of you feel right now like God has let you down like that pilot let that man down on the hang glide. Maybe some of you feel like God isn't doing what he promised to do for your life. Maybe you think, you know, you've been praying, you've been faithful, you've been trying to do what you think God wants you to do, and you're not sure he's listening. You're not really sure he knows what he is doing. Maybe you're afraid you've put your trust in something that isn't working. Or maybe you feel like that guy and you feel like you can't hold on anymore. 
Maybe you're afraid if you get one more rejection letter from that school you want to attend. One more no from that job you want. You feel like you'd be done. Maybe you feel like you can't hold on waiting for those longings that you have had that God does not seem to want to answer. Maybe you're tired of holding on to the very little hope you have right now. Maybe you're tired of waiting for that something or that someone. Maybe the addiction or the depression or the pain that you feel is so hard right now, you don't think you could hold on anymore. So the words that I said at the beginning of the sermon that we do not need to fear because of the promised hope of Advent and the coming of Jesus is as crazy to you right now as telling a guy not strapped into the hang glide, don't be afraid. Sometimes when it comes to our lives and the struggles we face, it is hard to believe that we do not need to fear. Sometimes in our lives, we can look around at the situation we are in and all we can do is ask, how can this be? How is this even possible? Our passage today has Mary asking that very question. Our passage today has Mary troubled and afraid and confused at what God is doing. And yet she learns an amazing truth. Nothing is impossible with God. You know, Mary only speaks twice in our account. Once in this question, how can it be? And once in this amazing faith and obedience where she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Life for us is often lived between those two statements. Life is often lived out between, What are you doing, God? And I'm going to trust you, God. This passage I'm about to read for us is pretty familiar for many. If you have spent any time in church during the month of December, you have probably heard this story before. I, as a preacher, have preached on it more than once. But this time, for myself and for you, I'm hoping that we can think about what it means to live between these two questions that Mary had and how we do not need to be afraid because nothing is impossible with God. So I'm going to read for us from Luke 1. It is in your order of worship, or there's a Bible in front of you, or you could just listen as I read. Luke 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, 
who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is God's word and it is given to us for our good. Okay, I want to talk about Mary in this story and what she experienced for sure. But before we do, I want to talk about another group of people that experienced questions and doubts about what God was going to do. The people of God that were living during the time of this account and the people of God who first heard the story of the angel coming to Mary were probably living in doubt and fear about what God was doing. The people of God living during Mary's time were wondering, what was God up to? They were probably feeling pretty estranged from God. They were living under alien rule. They were oppressed. They were probably wondering why the promises of God that they knew from the scriptures were not being fulfilled. There had been almost 400 years of silence where God had not spoken through a prophet, through an angel, through anything. And they were waiting for God to show up. They were waiting for God to fix the situation that they were in. So this announcement of the angel Gabriel to Mary was an amazing reminder that God was still in control. That God was finally going to fulfill the promise he had made to free his people from the darkness that they were in at this time. This promise of Jesus, the Son of the Most High, reigning forever, offered great hope to the people back then. And it is the same hope that is offered to us today as well. May this story that we see remind us of the truth that nothing is impossible with God, and that is why we do not need to be afraid. Our account begins with the words, In the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, to Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, the sixth month ties this story into the previous story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and their soon-to-be-born son, John. Luke had started that story, and now he begins to follow up with this part of the story. What we looked at a few weeks ago, Pastor Aaron talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, is what this uh, angel is referring to, or what's talked about in the sixth month. And Luke is connecting these two stories, not just because they're both surprising births. Nor do I think he's just connecting these stories because of the relationship between John and Jesus. But I believe that Luke wants us to see a sharp distinction between these two accounts. In the story of the promise of John to Zechariah, we find an old man who was a high priest living in the great city of Jerusalem being promised a son. Here in this account, we have a young poor woman living in a rural village that many people probably didn't even know about. Luke is contrasting the greatness of the setting of the announcement of John with the simplicity of the announcement of Jesus. As one author I read put it, the great God of heaven sends the gift of salvation to humans in serene, unadorned package of simplicity. Mary herself is one of the most powerless people in her society. She is young in a world that values age. She is a female in a world run by men. She is poor in a time when riches signify significance. 
And this is exactly where God enters in personally to our world. This is significant because the humble beginnings of Jesus parallel the humble nature of Jesus' birth and ministry. It makes sense that Jesus' birth would begin this way because all of Jesus' life was about caring for the poor, for the needy, for the forgotten. Jesus emptied himself of everything as the apostle Paul writes in Philippians. He made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. This is the Jesus we celebrate this season. This is the Jesus we follow and live our lives for as servants as well. And this announcement as well is a significance because of the great example it gives us again of the upside-down kingdom of God. We still live in a world where power and status and money and success reign. We still live in a world that values recognition over service, affluence over poverty. And God loves to shake things up. He loves to move towards those that many would choose to ignore. It makes no sense that God would ever pay attention to someone so low and unimportant as Mary. And Mary understands this. That's why it says in verse 29 that she was greatly troubled. Gabriel comes to her and says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And this messes Mary up. She knows she's not worthy to be called favored one. She knows she isn't the type of person that God would ever want to be with. She is a nobody in society. And as readers of the story, we see that Mary is not introduced in any way that would make us think she was particularly noteworthy or deserving of recognition. We don't even know who her parents are. Everything about her makes her ordinary and very low in society. Yet from a divine perspective, it is revealed how extraordinary she is in unimaginable ways in the culture that she was in. This is exactly how God works. God comes to the needy and the poor. The Lord comes to those who realize that they have nothing without him. The Lord comes to those who know they cannot make it on their own. The Lord comes to those who admit their weakness and their need. Receiving God's grace, receiving God's favor is not based on anything but God's own kind initiative. Do we believe that to be true? Do we live like that is true? Listen, if you are holding on to barely right now to belief, if you feel weak or unable to do what God is calling you to do, if you don't feel like you deserve God's favor, you are right where you need to be. Mary, as we will see, brings nothing to the table other than her availability and her willingness to serve. Talk about a couple characteristics that we should aim for to just be willing to be available to God and others and be willing to serve. That's what we can offer God in our weakness. And what does God do with this humble servant? He promises her a son who will be great and called the son of the Most High. She has promised a son who will have the throne of David and will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom. There will be no end. This coming child is promised to be both the Son of the Most High and the Son of God. And Luke, the author of this text, will spend much of his gospel explaining what these titles mean. 
but for now they describe a regal royal figure coming by supernatural conception. And this is not only a huge theological claim, but it is a claim that in a world where Caesar and other powers are in control, the angel is saying, no, there's someone else in charge. There is one true ruler of the world who is about to come on the scene and his reign will be forever. One of the reasons that we can say we do not need to fear because of the promised hope of Advent is because we believe that Jesus is ruling right now. We believe, as we are going to confess later on in this service, that not only did Jesus become incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, but we also believe that after his death and resurrection, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. If Jesus is king and his reign is forever, then he is our king right now. And let's be honest. We like Jesus as king if he helps us, if he protects us, if he guides us, if he gives us what we want. We like Jesus as king as long as it doesn't affect too much our day-to-day activities. But when, as king, he challenges us with how we spend our money, what we are to do with our time, with our bodies, with our lives, well, we're not as accepting of that reign. Part of the fear for some of us in this room, I'm sure, is we really don't feel his reign in our life, so we're not sure if he's really on the throne. And then part of us struggle with the fact, if he is on the throne, he might call us to do things we don't want to do. And we don't like that. I'm blown away by this woman, Mary, and how in her life she had such challenges to follow God as king, and she humbly obeyed. I am blown away by the faith and the willingness of this woman to submit to God and to his plans for her. She understands what the angel is saying. She understands what is being promised, and so she asks How will this be, since I am a virgin? For Mary, just like any of us in this room, the virgin birth surprises and startles us. There is no example of this happening before Mary, and there has not been another example afterwards. This is a very, very unique thing, for sure. And here's the thing. The virgin birth stands at the beginning of a long line of supernatural things that we hear about in regards to Jesus. Many of the things the gospel writers describe of Jesus go beyond the realm of the natural. He healed people. He fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and a couple fish. He raised people from the dead. He calms a storm with the word. He casts out demons, and then the ultimate thing he does is he raises from the dead. Humanly speaking, these things don't make sense. And it is no wonder that Mary asks, how will this be? It it makes sense for us to question and wonder, what does this mean? Because humanly speaking, it just does not make sense. And it is a perfect illustration of what verse 37 says. For nothing will be impossible with God. I do believe that verse 35 is true. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and enabled her, as the Holy Spirit always does, to do more and be more than she could by herself. The power of the Most High overshadowed her, 
God himself, the creator, surrounded her completely with his sovereign power. I believe this verse to be true. And I also think it's a supreme example of what always happens when God moves by his grace in the lives of people. God's power from the outside and the indwelling spirit from within results in things done that would be unthinkable any other way. If you are a follower of Jesus today, it is not because you are worthy of God's favor and grace. If you are a Christian today, it is not because you did anything to gain God's love. God did not choose Mary because she was worthy to receive his favor. God didn't choose Mary because she was a superhero or a super Christian that had what it takes to do what she was called to do. Neither of us as well have what it takes to do what we're called to do in following God. Whether you're a Christian this morning or not, let me just say, if you hear anything from me today, please hear this. God does not choose anyone based on their worthiness or goodness. None of us are worthy of God's favor. None of us in this room are worthy of God's love. But God gives us his love by his grace. God calls us his children because of his love. And may we believe this as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And may we respond in faith just like Mary does in this account. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am a servant. I am a slave. I am a bondservant of the Lord. I might not understand everything. I don't know what it means for my future, but I am going to trust you, God, and your word. That is the faith that Mary displays here. And that is our calling as well, to trust God with our lives. Now, I don't know what this looks like for you this morning. I don't know what things in your life right now maybe you need to give over to God. I definitely know the places in my life where I hold on to tightly and don't want to let go. I know those things in my life that I think I can be in control of and I don't need God. May we be women and men who give these things over to God. May we turn to God for the first time or the thousandth time with open arms of faith. And say, I give these to you, God. And may we know and believe the truth that God has given himself to us. And God calls us to follow him and trust him that nothing is impossible with God. The season of Advent is almost done. Soon we will celebrate that Christ has come. But we also believe that Christ will come again. We believe that God's reign will come in fullness one day. And we will be in glory with God for all eternity. One day, and man, when I see the pain in our world and the suffering in your lives, when I experience my own pain and suffering, when I read the news and I see what's going on in our broken city and our broken world, I long for God to come soon to make things right. Because one day, brothers and sisters, we are going to get to sing together, Hallelujah, Christ our King returns again. One day we are going to get to sing together, hallelujah, God appears on earth to reign. May his first coming and the promise of his second coming help us to know we do not need to be afraid. Because nothing is impossible with God.
Let us pray. Father, may we believe the truth that you have come. And may we long for the day when you come again and make things right. But until you do, may we live our lives in faith, in trust, in obedience, and know that you love us deeply, that you provide for us what we need, and that you give us your grace to help us live lives for you. In your holy name, amen.